Well, hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Welcome to the Originative Podcast. And today we have two very special guests with us. We have Stacy and her husband, Roger. And today they'll be talking to us about a really amazing topic, which is uh, on-reservation Indigenous people and off-the-res Indigenous people. So welcome, Stacey and Roger. Thank you both so much for coming. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you for having us, Anushka. Hi, Anushka. We're in Blackfeet. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Uh, So just to start off, um, maybe you guys could talk a little bit about, you know, your uh, own experiences being on and off the res and just outline us for us um, how that works. Sure. Do you want to go first, Roger? Okay. Well, hi guys, Roger. Uh, My mom is from the Blackfeet Reservation. Uh, She is from a little community called Star School, which is outside our community hub of Browning. Uh, This little community has no stores, any sort of services. It's basically where our family grew up with and also related tribal families. Uh, My family's last name is Scabby Other families related would be Old Person, Bear Medicine, uh, Young Running Crane. Uh, There might be a few. Dusty Bull, Upham. Those are some of the names in our immediate community. Uh, My mother moved up here to Seattle, Seattle area back in the early 80s. Met my father, my late father, he's uh, Finnish from Minnesota, via Minnesota. I was born and raised in Ballard, which is a little community just northwest of Seattle urban proper. And when I was growing up, Ballard was pretty much little Norway, uh, little Scandinavia back in the 70s. Uh, That's my background right there. I'll turn it over to Stacey. Oki, as Roger said in Blackfeet, that's our greeting for hello. My name is Stacy Pentegrass. I uh, my family comes from St. Mary's in Montana, so we're just a few minutes from Glacier National Park. My father left the reservation to join the U.S. Army in the '60s, I believe, and uh, state was stationed at Fort Lawton, which is now Discovery Park. And I, as a result, he met my mother, who is Italian, and they married and had my sister, brother, and I. And so I'm the first generation to be born and raised off of the Blackfeet Reservation. My family has a little bit more white blood than Roger's family. A lot of my, uh, my bloodline goes, uh, it's a maternal bloodline. So my great, great, great grandmother is Iron Woman. And then she from there uh, had uh, married white and most people from that had married white. So uh, there's uh, not a lot of what you'd say traditional native last names in my family, but we do have a, a steep history back in St. Mary's. We and my father comes from an 80-acre ranch where his dad had cattle, a uh, working ranch, and uh, was very much loved being around in that community. Loved uh, had a lot of friends. He loved going into town, into Browning, and speaking with a lot of the traditional people that live there and would speak uh, in the language of the people from there. So I have been in the Redmond area my entire life. And uh, we, when we can, we'd like to go back home to go visit family uh, and friends. Wow, that's really cool. Thank you both for sharing. And you both obviously have like a really 
rich cultural background with a lot of different uh, cultural components to your, your ethnicity. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, so could you maybe talk a little bit about how that has influenced your life um, with your cultural background? Um, have you really felt like you've been able to connect with your background or um, things you've experienced like that? Yeah, sure. I can uh, take that one first. So uh, I, I've, my father has always taught me from day one that we're Blackfeet. Very, he's always been very proud of that with the good and the bad of being native it, you know, there's, that's always been something that he's been proud of. And as a result, I've kind of carried that torch too. I've always identified as native. I don't look like your traditional Indian and that's because of my bloodline and the blood quantum, of course, but in my heart, I know I am Blackfeet. I've done, uh, been around uh, the, you know, learning the culture, participating in communities, events like the powwows and have a really strong connection I feel and so when I was younger there wasn't a lot of events to go to but as I when I went to the University of Washington there was a I can't remember exactly what we were called like the, the American Indian student group or something and we would hold powwows and that was my first introduction into what a powwow was and as a result I've, we go every year when the powwows occur at Discovery Park for the seafair powwows, I go there to kind of get reconnected. It's a little different being an urban native, what we're called since we don't live on the reservation, because there's a mix of, uh, you know, there's, there's some Blackfeet people here, but it's hard to identify. You have to talk to them to figure out where they're from. And some of them have always been living here. They're not necessarily their family much like ours may be back there on the reservation but they're not uh, living back there and so it's this constant strive to be connected to our past so that we can understand how our future will be shaped and what we what I can as a native bring and help with the identification in a positive way of what it means to be native I'll turn that over to Roger yeah so being born and raised off the reservation, I have spent a lot of time back there. I'll tell you, first of all, my experience uh, being an urban native. Uh, first of all, I probably, I guess, look because I am dark. I've got long hair. Uh, so you could say that I, you me go, yeah, he's native. Uh, having grown up in Ballard uh, in a native um, um, home, uh, my mother and father divorced when I was quite young. So I, my sister and I were raised by my mother and we were, were raised in a traditional, I guess, just a traditional household with Blackfeet uh, values and perspective, a very tribal community uh, uh, perspective. And I would also say I would probably have a connection with, um, Stacey and I would have a connection with your generation, uh, your people who listen to you are probably second generation whose parents probably immigrated from different countries of tension between how do you uh, communicate with people outside of your culture and how do you find connections with those? So that was pretty much growing up, you're perceived a certain way, but you have to make that, you have to bridge that connection with other people. So to successfully navigate within your home life, your, your culture, your home, but also once you step out of the house, there's a whole new set of values and perspective that you have to navigate also. So uh, anybody out there who is a second generation can probably understand that knowing that there's a certain way that you, you conduct yourself at home and values that you have, but then you don't jettison 
them when you step out of your home, but you just learn to embrace others. So you kind of have to pick and choose. You kind of have to walk a balance between the two. So that would be my upbringing within the culture. Uh, I would have to say the culture has always been there. You know, I didn't think of anything different. You know, going to powwows has always been just secondhand nature for me. You know, I would distinctly remember on a Friday afternoon, I'm sitting at home watching cartoons on a after school, and all of a sudden, these heads start running by our window. Pop, pop, pop. All my cousins are coming by, and I knew as soon as I see my cousins run by our living room window that there's a powwow that weekend. Because unlike nowadays, where everything's on the internet, back then it was word of mouth, and you kind of expected somebody to tell you, "Hey, when's the next powwow coming up?" And on a Friday afternoon, I'd see the, my cousins run by our front window. And all of a sudden, my aunt and my uncle would pass by, and all of a sudden, I knew it was powwow weekend. They would come up here, and there usually be a powwow, whether it's University of Washington or Daybreak Star up on uh, Magnolia, or maybe there's one at Capitol Hill, one of the universities. And it's a weekend, all my relatives show up, and there's food cooking all day and all night, and people are telling stories. And we go to the powwow, and me and uh, my cousin would be running around all over the place having a good time. And so the native thing was has always been there. I didn't have to reach out for it. It was just there for me. I think also too to your question about how the culture, how we look at the culture is that I, my perspective, the way I was raised and taught by my father is that constant tension of when you're in an urban environment and in corporate America, which I'm in, is that you need to be visible. You need to, and one way to be visible is to talk a lot, to be heard. And that's a tension for me because I was raised with just listen and contribute when you can, but don't be the, don't take up all the oxygen in the room. Don't be the loud person in the room. And so uh, that that's always been a tension because of the way that my father, my mother's different. She's Italian. And in some ways, you know, it's like, make sure people see you, especially since she had come from a poor background, you know, she forced education and, and I'm glad that she did but you know my father was always be quiet listen and and a lot of I think it might be general this is generalized of course but a lot of natives that I know are very quiet and they listen more than they talk and so you know going back to that tension of how do I show up today am I going to have to kind of shed a little bit of who I am to fit more into the more dominant participants in the room Yeah, I think that probably goes back to the old, you know, the thing about nature versus nurture. You know, we uh, grow up a certain way in certain perspectives. Certainly, our parents have rubbed off on us. You know, uh, Stacy has her father's Blackfeet traits, and, and as well as her mother's. Her mother, I totally love and admire her because she's very outspoken. She advocates, and that's one thing, being Native, it's really hard to kind of put yourself forward because you're part of a collective. And historically, it's always been about the better for the group. Not just, you don't stand up and you'll browbeat, I've done this, I've done that. And I'm tongue in cheek about that because I'll say, I've done this stuff, but I, I don't really mean it. It's always been about, you know, what are we doing that's best for our, either our immediate family or our collective extended family or for our people? Mm -hmm. That's one thing. It's, it's, there's always been attention, as Stacey's mentioned. And so on my side, I've got that too. Then on top of that, my late father was finished. Historically, they don't, they don't show a lot of emotion. So we don't 
about me being half Klingon. Hello, Star Trek geek. Uh, not Klingon, but Vulcan, you know, like Spock, you know, showing no emotion. So having having that that trait, but also being Blackfeet, it's my challenge is to push myself out to an advocate. And so one of my one of my cornerstones, my pedagogical foundations of being a teacher is to really advocate for those who don't necessarily speak up or are are being probably I don't know, misjudged or maybe even judged based on you know what they see as opposed to what's what needs you know I think we spoke initially one time about the iceberg what you see on top and then what you see below there's a lot more going on there mm-hmm. yeah no definitely I feel like that's also something I can relate to because um being like first generation here born in the U.S. as well um I, I mean, similar to you guys, like you're Stacey, you're like the first generation, like off the rest for me, I'm like first generation born here, not in India. So, um, a lot of my family lives back in India. And so they, they kind of view me as like, um, oh, you're the American in the family. <laughs> and so they, they kind of expect me to talk and like act a certain way, even though like, I still believe I'm culturally like very Indian, like I'm very connected to my culture. Um, it's really funny because, you know, I went to like my hometown, like village, um, in India at once and all the villagers kind of came and they're like, speak in English. Like I was like some like magician or something. (laughs) And it was really funny. Um, I'd actually been there for so many months that I hadn't even spoken a word of English for several months. So I'd almost forgotten how to speak English. Like in that moment, I was like, wait, English, how does that work? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was pretty funny to see. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely can relate. Um, Yeah, that's so interesting how like even cultures can impact your personality. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like even for me, um, I think also in Indian culture, it's really about being respectful to elders and like Mm -hmm. everyone around you. So when I was younger, like and I went to school, um, basically I would always like be really respectful to the teacher. Like I would never talk back or anything. And then there were some kids that were calling the teacher by their like, you know, first name. And they were like joking around with them. Like they were friends. And that was like really odd to me because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't imagine doing that to an adult. So. Yeah. I remember one time when I was at the UW, we had a powwow at Sandpoint, which used to be a naval base. And I think now it's, uh, homes or something but anyway the UW was having a powwow there and I've never made fry bread before which is kind of a staple among plains tribes and it's just that fried dough and you put honey on it or powdered sugar or they call them Indian tacos where you put meat on it and so we were making them I had no idea what I was doing I was just following along with the other students <laughs> we didn't make it somebody actually got their chip or their tooth chipped off of one of the bricks that we made. And this grandma, this full-blood grandma, comes into the the camper that we were working in and said, you guys don't know what you're doing. Let me show you how to do it. And, of course, when she walked in, everybody just backed off because a grandma was in the room and she knew what she was doing. But I remember it was that there wasn't a thought of who is she and why is she here? There was just that visceral response of, oh, it's a grandma. We got to back up and give her the respect in the room because we're going to learn something, even though we were in college. And at times you think you know more than other people. But I I remember that story and I still think of it to to this day about 
you know, treating the elders, regardless of what ethnic group they fit in, just with kindness and respect until maybe they show something different, but to give them the space since they've had a lifetime of knowledge and experience that's worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And also respecting like all the knowledge that they hold and just trying to learn from that. Yeah. I thought it was scary in a very humorous way is that now I'd be considered an elder and I, you know, <laughs> saying this and if we're from a, a voice of humbleness, I don't know much. And they see, and the thing is, that the terrible thing about getting older is that the older you get, the less you you, you really know. You, you don't know as much as you think you do. You know, when I was 25, I thought I knew everything, especially being a musician and all that. But you know, the older, it's like, geez, I, I want to learn more. I'm just on this quest to keep learning and just growing. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a funny thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were a musician? Yeah, I uh, I play drums. I, I would say professionally, but that just means uh, you know scraping by with pennies. But yeah, I've 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 played everywhere, everywhere from what zero people to you know, you know whatever thousands, whatever. Yeah, I've I've done my bucket list of being a musician. A lot of us, Stacey's been there too. We've we've uh, been in some really amazing situations and played some amazing venues with uh, no people there or a lot of people, and so it's, it was it was it was fun. Wow. Wait, so Stacy also plays? No, I was just the roadie. Oh. Yeah. Setting it up and, and hauling it back on a Sunday night at 11 p.m., having to go to work the next day. <laughs> wow. That's so fun. Yeah. Interesting. And it had to be the drums, too. It couldn't be, like, singing or a guitar player where a guitar player has a guitar and an amp. No, it's got to be drum set, you know. <laughs> drums and symbols of hardware and all that kind of stuff so yeah mm -hmm. around <laughs> awesome well i think going back to that topic of <laughs> on and author as um yeah. can you maybe give us some perspectives on you know how people perceive that or maybe your own thoughts about it yeah sure so you know i i think if I first talk about the perception of non-natives from what I've heard, I have an experience because I'm not, I wasn't born and I haven't been raised on the reservation. I think there's that, if you tell, like if, when I've told people I'm on Blackfeet, the first thing is, oh, are you from the reservation? Which somehow would define whether I'm Indian or not. That's second to blood quantum. We'll be getting into that later, but there's, there's that, then there's the, you know, when I say, yeah, my father's from the reservation and I've got family that pre-contact, there's that perception of, oh, you guys must still live the way that we think you should live, like in teepees or, you know, with a ton of car, junk cars in your driveway or, uh, you know, a bunch of reservation dogs around. So there's these, there's these historical perceptions of us being stuck in a moment of time from what they've seen either on the movies or read versus, or the exact opposite of you guys are just dirty. You don't know how to take care of yourselves because you live in squalor. So there's that from non-natives. The, the, the comments I get from natives who are who live back there and I may meet in this city environment, there's 
there's that still that differentiator of, well, are you really Indian? When I tell them and I say, I'm from St. Mary's, then there can kind of be this difference. Well, you're not from Brown, you're not from Heart, uh, Star School, you're not from Heartbeat, more of the, the more traditional places. So there's also that connect, there's also that kind of striving to say, no, I'm connected back there. I have family back there. We've got roots back there. And having to kind of crawl through some of the, the, the mud, so to speak, of proving who I am and breaking down the perception of I'm not just saying I'm Indian, I am Indian and here's where I'm from and this is what it means to me and my connection back home. Even though that connection doesn't, I say connection back home, even though I wasn't there, my family has been there, my people are there, so I feel a connection. It just takes a little bit longer to solidify that connection because we are, you know, in another state away. Mm -hmm. See, it's interesting because, you know, from Stacy's point of view, it's, it's uh, I'm going to flip it in a second, but first of all, you know, the, with some, you kind of have to prove, you know, you know, granted, Stacy looks more white than me. So there's that point where some people will worry from, and there's that, there's that thin slicing, as we call it. You're familiar with the onion, thin slicing like the iceberg. There's more to the layers than meets the eye. So mostly when people meet me, there's the automatic bias. Yeah, you're Indian. You've got the long hair, whatever. So, so I tell them where I'm from, and there's a connection already made. It's interesting, though, that I'm, you know, with my family, is that they would never ask you that question because basically they don't care. As long as you're a good person, if you say you're black, you're white, you're black, that's fine. I mean, I when I used to go back there in the summertime, that community called Star School, um, it's it's our community. Everybody's related there. Everybody knows each other. And I remember there was a couple of families back there where the, the the kids were pale, they had red hair. One boy, his name was Fun. Little red-haired kid had his little braids and everything. Nobody said, oh, he's that white kid. Nobody, that's fun. They never judged him based on what he looked like. He's just part of the community because he he's blackfeet. So we, my family, I'm not speaking for everybody because I, I can't, you know, I can't speak for any other natives, but within my family, we never judge anybody based on your blood quantum or whatever. Say, like, oh yeah, family. Like when I told them, yeah, um, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her, her family's Pendergrass, St. Mary's, they go, oh, I know who they are. They didn't say, oh yeah, they're like half or whatever. That never came up. They're like, oh, I know who that family is. Mm -hmm. I think that issue of blood quantum, it probably comes up more in urbans just for the urban natives because they're, you know, us that are growing up here off the reservation, we don't have that familial everyday tie back there. Mm -hmm. So when you're on a reservation, you just know, you, everybody knows each other. But up here, you're still making a connection. Like if we're walking on the street and if you have any natives listening to your podcast, you'll know that look, you happen to see somebody across the street, kind of get look at each other, kind of give get each other the eye and the nod. And if you're within proximity, you might, you know, you know, just visit or whatever. But uh, we're trying to make that connection out here, you know. So I'm going to make a connection with somebody who's from the Aleutian Islands or uh, an Alaskan native, mm -hmm. Southwest. And we might say who you're from, where you're from, but when you're back there, it's just kind of a given. That's just your family and the whole blood quantum thing. It's not really an issue. I think also the one thing that I've noticed too about living in an urban environment and then when you meet, when I've met somebody from back home or when we go back home, it's that I'm, I might be perceived as, God, could you just slow down and quit getting in my face? <laughs> like, you don't need to be the donkey from Shrek and get, you know, ask a bunch of questions. So <laughs> 
But there's also that of being in this urban environment and having to artificially reach out and learn and be around our people versus like Roger said, being back home on the reservation where you're just around it. It just is. It's not, it's not a unicorn. It's just there. And so when I go back, it's that eagerness to want to learn. And they're, they don't, people may not understand that my eagerness is there because I don't get it. I'm starved here, so to speak, where they're full with it. And so, you know, I think I have to temper my, my excitement because it could be perceived and it likely is you just need to chill out and just being so excited and in my face I'll, I'll get to your questions or you know have you uh, share my information but there's that that differential also in perception of or perspective rather of you know this is new to me I want to learn versus people who live back there that this is their every day. Mm -hmm. Further comment on that and then spiral back to what we talked about. Anushka, you and both Stace and I were basically second generation. You know, we're, we're born and raised here in an urban city, now in, in our tribal people, uh, with our people. And that, and I'll use two definitions low context and high context. I think we briefly talked about this before. I would say high context is, is when you're in your own culture, you don't need to make that connection because it's already there. The values, the perspectives, the familial uh, uh, lineage, the, 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 the land you live on. You just have a connection already. You don't have to talk about that a lot. So when you talk to each other, you know, probably lesser words is more implied than anything. But uh, then versus low context, you're here in an urban environment. You're trying to make a connection with other people. And that's how you, me, and Stacy were raised, low context. You know, you're, you're going to a school with all these people from, I don't know, China, um, White for description, Latino, right, and all the other factors. So you're trying to make a context, and there's something we mentioned before a while back when we first started talking with you. Uh, when people first meet at a party or whatever, uh, when you're older, you say something like, "Hi, I'm so and so. I'm so and so. What do you do for a living?" Well, that's that's a question under local context. You're you're trying to find a foundation for understanding. How do I relate to you? Oh, is it through? Oh, I know something about what you do. I know something about what you do. So there's a connection because we don't have a cultural connection. Or might, there might be something that's, oh, where do you live? Ballard. Oh, I live in Bellevue. Oh, great. Then you try to make a connection that way. So there's a low context, high context. So let me spiral back to what Stacy said about, let's say we go back to reservation. Stacy talks about her eagerness to learn more. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's that language of low context. She wants to learn more. And you come from a high context culture, they already know a lot of that, all the subtle bit, the minutia of being that culture. And but we want to learn that because we weren't around that. So when she comes in, she's asking, hey, what about this? What about that? And you know, she says, you know, she talks about the whole Shrek thing. You know, oh, what about this? What because we want to learn. It's not coming, it's coming from a point of I want to learn more about my culture because we're raised up here. So we're still learning about our culture too. Mm -hmm. For sure. And yeah, I mean, I think that that happens to a lot of people who are raised in that low context situation, um, because I know a lot of my friends who are also um, Indian, they they aren't able to speak Hindi or their mother tongue, but they can understand it. So, yes. you know, when they go back to India or they're spending time with their relatives, um, they can understand what they're saying, but they they feel shy to contribute to the conversation. Yeah. And that can be, you know, really difficult because it sort of restricts you from connecting with your roots. And mm -hmm. I've been very 
lucky to have learned Hindi from a young age. So I can talk fluently and like speak with my uh, grandparents and relatives really well. Um, but I definitely do think if I wasn't able to do that, like it would have put a huge sort of barrier for me to learn about, you know, my roots because um, my grandparents don't really speak much English. And I mean, they do, they understand it, but it's not as authentic, you know, if you, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and then they'll also sometimes talk about like the, you know, their, their own grandparents. And so I, I'll, I'll learn like, oh, my ancestors were like, um, like landowners, or we were the people who kind of worked as the scribes for the king um, in, in India. Wow. Actually, my last name, um, Saksena. So in Hindi, Sakhi means friend. And Sena means army. So we were kind of like generals of the army or people who were leading the kingdom in terms of like academics. Wow. Yeah. That's that's so cool. Oh wow. History. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, speaking of language, you know, Roger and I pick up words here and there, and some of it from you know, my dad knows a couple words in Blackfeet or Pakani is, and his, Roger's mother's uh, speaks fluent. And so pick up words and say them to each other. And uh, last summertime, there was three men uh, who lived back. I think one of them lived on the blood reserve up in Canada, which is our kind of sister tribe. And then down here on the Blackfeet reservation, and they were, it was a, uh, they were telling stories in Blackfeet, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. There was this young guy who was hosting it, and one of the older guys was telling a story, and the younger guy was translating it into English. So the the older guy would tell the story in Blackfeet. The other guys would kind of nod their heads and laugh at times. We could understand some of the words, but not the context of the story. And then the young younger guy would tell what the story was in English. And it was it was amazing to sit there and watch people, it was on video, tell stories and not be interrupted and take their time to tell a story. Mm-hmm. As this is a long story. Is he gonna be done? <laughs> My attention span was one, I didn't understand what he was saying, but two, I was like, this is so unique in that. No one is rushing him. This is how you're supposed, this is how stories unfold and they're taught and we're hearing the language and the way that it's meant to be heard without being physically there next to them. And I just thought, yep, that's Indian. That's where you just let people talk. You don't interrupt, you don't showboat. And so I, I, that sticks with me too. When I think about that last summer of having that, hearing our language being spoken by people telling stories uninterrupted. What I find interesting is that it's 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 a it's a black tribal thing, I think. Uh, I, I, at least in my, in my family, it's not surprising when I heard him speak because my mother's the same way. And I'm going to give a nod to Stacy's mom too. She's Italian, but she does the same thing. There's a lot of information given out in a in a in a in a non-hurried fashion, mm-hmm. but there's a context built in mm-hmm. so in order to understand the actual story you have to understand the foundation from where it's coming from the perspective and also these these different uh, cultural clues that are embedded in the actual story like for instance i'll just i'll just give you a uh, 
an example from right now. Like, so Stacy's mom, she's really good about, uh, she can tell you a story, but she'll give you context of the people are involved, where it's at, what led up to it and how it's going. So that might be a lot of information, but I'm used to that because my mom and our people are trying to do the same thing. So uh, if you heard Stacy's mom, she, she was like, blah, 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 blah. but it's great because there's a lot of information that gives you, gives you context for what's going on. And so when, like what Stacy was saying, when these three elders and the young uh, the gentleman were, were talking to Blackfeet and when he translated, it's like, oh yeah, that, that sounds like, you know, well, what one of our, our people would talk is they would give you a lot of information and it would be in a roundabout sort of way, unhurried fashion. And end the story, you go, oh, I understand why they said what they said. Hey, it's Anushka here. We're going to take a short break now and come back for a part two of this episode. So I hope you've enjoyed it so far and thank you for listening.